What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gowan. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta. And today I'm joined by my co host, Matt Panella. What's going on, guys? It's Matt Panella, also known as Matt Bangswood, carpenter and YouTuber based out of Central California. This episode is part two for episode seven. Episode seven was basically an introduction to mental health and substance abuse with Garrett Davis. We dived into how Garrett's downward spiral with substance abuse began and what his wake-up call was. We also briefly touched on how companies and the industry as a whole can better address mental health and substance abuse by categorizing it as safety for their workforce. For today's episode, part two, it's completely going to be based around all the feedback that we've received from everyone and um, which topics we should elaborate on over the last few days. We're going to be diving into some of the key signs of closet addiction, behavior changes, and the benefits and success Garrett has had with sobriety. Garrett, it's been a while, man. Hey, (laughs) what up, dudes? How's it going? We got to clap again. We did that. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Make me feel like Welcome back. have to do it. Welcome back. (laughs) Thanks. It's good to be back. Uh, Before we dive in, um, how about let's just chat about all the responses that we've got from episode seven. I was was kind of mind blown. Uh, I got some good responses. Matt's got some awesome responses. And Garrett, I know you've had some, some, some ones that really, really hit home for people. Yeah, dude, it was, uh, it was kind of crazy. Um, I got, I got a few responses here that I'd like to read. Um, They're kind of like my I think I probably had over, I, I didn't even count. It had to have been well over 50. Um, Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was that is. And it, it was all people that could relate. So this wasn't just like, you know, a non. Ego like, stroking kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Matt. Um, so <laughs> I got one. I got one actually this morning. And I thought it was really cool because being being sober and having my mother and my father both be sober and my mother was sober, like, you know, watching her baby boy just completely burn his life to the ground and knowing there was nothing that she could do until I was ready to to surrender to this. So um, this one kind of hit home. Um, He said, hey, man, I I owe a thank you to you. I listened to the podcast you did, and it gave me the confidence to share my story with my brother. He's 10 years younger and lives in a different state, and he had no clue what I had been like before. He is pushing the limit with partying. I think it helped him. I think it helped him to know how far south it could go. So thanks, man. I'm sure you've gotten a million of these, but I just wanted to say thank you. Um, that was cool. Wow, you know, man. he was. That, you know, that's he, rad. Yeah, that was that was cool because he like told his brother, you know, what happened to him just to. Even if it doesn't feel like it didn't stick with his brother, it totally did. And when his brother's ready, he's going to go to his big brother. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Having, having somebody you could trust. Um, right. I got a, a million different responses. Garrett, I, I truly think you got the responses that hit home though. Uh, mine were more or less based around the podcast. I did have quite a few responses from people that I never would have expected that reached out and said that they've had issues with alcohol or substance abuse. Um, basically just saying that it's nice to hear it talked about. Right. 
Yep. I got, I got, I got, I got to read this one too. This was a really good one. One more, one Go more. Go for it, man. Let's Go for it, man. <laughs> um, it says, Garrett, you're an amazing person. I listened to the Bread to Build podcast this morning and it had me in tears as your journey hits home hard for me. Keep up the amazing work. You are an inspiration for me and my journey. I'm young in the sober game, but you have given me str- you have given me the strength to make it through these tough times. Thank you, prayer hands. That good is one. badass. Yeah, good one. I, I feel like several of those kind of left you speechless for the first few minutes after reading those. Totally. And I got a lot like that. I mean, those are just two of them. Dude, I think especially in this time with – all the isolation and, and just a lot of people going through the mundane task of, of this year, just doing the same thing in and out, um, not being able to do a lot of the things that we could do before. Um, you know, I'm very optimistic for, for this coming year and trying to be at least, but I, I think that's kind of where it hit home for a lot of people is just that connection this year um, that they don't fucking, have right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. For the lack of better words. Dude, this year, this year has Those been a perfect cra- words. <laughs> right. This year has been a crazy year for people in recovery. I, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people, I know a lot of people that have relapsed due to isolation and not having, you know, an AA meeting they can just walk to now. They don't want to do the Zoom meetings. They, it's easy to forget about this and go, I don't need one today. Yeah. Um, before you could really hold yourself accountable. And like, mm-hmm. there's something about taking an action in recovery and actually getting in your fucking car and driving to a meeting is taking a huge action. And then you show up there and you're like, this is why I'm doing it. And a lot of people yeah. have lost, a lot of people have lost that. It's disappointing. Like, yeah, I agree, Matt. And it's even like, um, you know, I, it's even like replacing um, those types of actions right now. It's not like you can get in your car and go anywhere that you want to like replace right. that type of feeling. It's kind of like, we're all stuck. Can't even drink um, station Coke anymore. No, trust me. It's, yeah. It's been weird. Yeah. yeah, man. All right. Let's get into it. Um, as many of us know, construction jobs um, always require your full attention. You have to pay attention pretty much throughout the day. And anything that impairs your concentration, like being under the influence, being hungover, or having withdrawals increases your risk of not only making mistakes, but harming yourself and potentially other coworkers. Um, to start off, a few people were curious. I got this question quite a bit. Um, people don't believe that you can work a normal work day while being under the influence. So it's something I'd like to jump into and kind of bring to light because I, I've worked around people that have been under the influence of everything from meth to alcohol and everything in between. But can, can you share how that is as far as operating? Um, well, I, I would have to say that it's totally fucking possible because I, I'm a prime example. Um, it's, you know, when you're deep in it, it becomes your way of life and, um, it becomes the normal for you. Like I kind of just thought this was my life and this is how I'm going to live. So I never thought about how dangerous what I was doing every day was. It's just Um, your daily life. Yeah. It's just wake up, you know, smoke a joint, go to the job site, smoke another joint, um, by, you know, noon, have a beer. Um, you know, but by the end of it, I was just waking up, you know, still high from the night before snorting a line, drinking a fifth of whiskey throughout the day, 
uh, while smoking weed to kind of, it, it balanced my cocaine and my, my weed would balance my cocaine. So it'd keep me kind of even you keel. Got, you got the perfect <laughs> mix going there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So, it was it was completely insane though dude i mean like i told you guys on the last on the last podcast like there was a there was a time where i didn't sleep for seven days straight and i was running my business um you know not going to bed yeah not not going to bed uh hanging out in my shop till the sun came up going fuck i have to go to work going to work and doing it all all day just snorting line after line after line drinking 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 it kept going yeah just going to work i mean that's that's kind of how it all it all came for me to you know it it all started real slow like it was like all right i'm gonna smoke a joint like i remember the first time i got high on a job site i was like this guy i won't say his name actually but this guy was working with us and um i he would just get high all day and i'm like how does he do that you know, like this was when I was like younger and I would like party on the weekends, you know, yeah. I, I couldn't wait for Fridays and I would party all weekend and blow my paycheck and then go back to work. But yeah, man, he went, he went to coffee break one day and I was, I had drank on a weekday and I felt like shit and I'm like, I need to get high. So I, I, I remember feeling so like scandalous when I first took that hit, like of a fucking doobie and <laughs> man, I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. I went and started strapping the ceiling and I'm like, like, man, I, I can do this. I can be high and work. And that was it, dude. Like for my personality, I have a very addictive personality. That's all it took. After that, it was like, I was high all day. Um, and then it made it easy for me to be like, oh, okay, Fridays, we're going to go out and get lunch and I'm going to have a beer. And then it, dude, it just, it's a downward spiral from there it for, went, for people it went away from there. Right. From people like me with an addictive personality like that. Yeah. No, I've worked around it quite a bit and you, sometimes you can't even tell the people are on anything. Um, right. People are able to hide it very well. Uh, through, throughout your time working under the influence, did it ever occur to you that you were potentially putting yourself at risk? Like, did you ever think, did you ever have one of those like, Oh shit moments where you're thinking your, your thought process might not have all been there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, man, it, I love that you just said like a lot of people don't know, because I actually I'm working for customers that I still that I worked for when I was in a bad spot. Yeah, um, I came clean with all of my customers after I got sober, like, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, this is where I, and, and all of them were like, really? Like they were like so blown away. And dude, nope. there was points I was so, I remember going to do this debt contract, sign a debt contract with somebody. And I literally was driving to, to sign the contract. I had been snorting Coke all day. I was like pulling down her driveway and railing a line. And I went in, signed the contract with her. And, and like, I'm like sniffling, but like, it, dude, it was crazy. You got and the she, Coke sniffles that you don't think anybody else knows about. Right. But oh. she was like, I had no, she's like, I had no idea. You know, it was, it was colder months and you got the sniffles and you had a cold. Dude, yeah it was why i'm sick yeah it was wild dude like i had a beer in the, in the cup holder like i'm drinking and snorting and going to sign a fucking contract um Jeez, man. so there was a there was a point i got kind of towards the end being dangerous see on the job site i never thought it was dangerous i never once was like wow what am i doing yeah um, 
it was more when I was like doing stuff, like I just said, like driving to a customer's house where I was a little more focused on that instead of like focusing on the task ahead on the job site that kind of took everything away and I didn't have to think about it when I was working. Um, but I got pulled over. I was driving home one night. Um, it was the, it was still light out. I had sunglasses on. I had like a half ounce of Coke in my truck. I was, I had a back rack then. I didn't have a full on ladder rack. So I had a back rack and I had these 16 foot planks on it. So they were sticking up way up in the air and uh, it was windy out and I'm driving and I got so, I got the shake so bad by the end because I was so hopped up on blow. I couldn't even keep my hand straight when I, I would be like this when I was driving down the highway. So I got pulled over by Stady and I have my sunglasses on and I'm fucking coked right out of it. And I have been drinking. There's fucking beer in the back of my seat. And he pull he pulls me over and he, he never, I, it's a God moment. So we'll talk about this as we get into it, but I call these God moments for now on. There's always someone watching over you. And he didn't make me take my sunglasses off. And he asked me why I was all over the road. And I was just like, officer, like, I got these big planks on my truck, like the, the wind resistance really crazy. And he like agreed, he agreed with me and he, he let me off and I'm driving away. And I'm just thinking like, man, I am so fucked up. Like that was when I, that was one of the first times I realized like how bad a shape I was in. Um, I don't know that that's safety. You know, I'm driving oh, that, around. That's plenty of safety. All it would have taken right. was. Right, <laughs> right. You know, like I'm driving yeah. around drunk. And dude, if I if he had made me take my sunglasses off, he would have seen my eyes bugging out of my skull. Oh, you'd have been would toast. Have, he would have found the drugs on me. He would have found the, that I was drinking. Dude, I would have I'd be in jail right now easily. It, so. That's what I find so freaking crazy is it would have taken one time. You you were how how long did you go on this whole substance abuse kick? How how long were you under the influence? Uh, like running, real running bad for like two years. You had two solid years that if you would have gotten pulled over, all it would have taken is one time for them to get you. And yeah. you, you potentially would have never had what you have today. You would never be building your home. You wouldn't own a truck. You wouldn't have a business. Like it, I think that's one of the, the bigger key things to take away from this is that it doesn't even have to come from a job site accident. It's fucking one time of getting pulled over and your life is toast. It, it not even, not even that. Not even that. You might not have an. You might not even have a chance to go to jail. Jail could be a good thing. You mm -hmm. could die. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up, Garrett. I, I think you know. I, I want us to kind of shift gears and go a little bit deeper into the closet addiction. I think this is super important because kind of like what Matt was just highlighting is that if there's like one takeaway that anyone could get from this episode is like you know, preventing those types of situations where you don't have to have a God moment to save your ass, or you don't have to like get in a crash or uh, do something terrible on site or like harm your coworker. Like we're trying to like distribute a message where we don't have to get into that type of predicament. So speaking of risk, um, I want to dive into some of the, uh, like the root causes around substance abuse um, and, and like closet addiction, addiction, like you were saying, I think it's great to have more awareness around these things because with the more awareness, we can obviously alleviate the root causes 
um, to help anyone before it's too late. Um, I was doing a little bit of homework over the weekend on this topic and everything to prepare. And uh, some of the things that could lead to destructive behavior in construction is longer working days, stress with managing expectations, projects or budgets, traveling, uh, physical pain or even injury. And then now more than ever, uh, kind of like we, what we just briefly touched on in the intro is um, more around isolation. Um, you've brought up closet addiction several times, and I think this is super important to talk about. And I think it's important because closet addiction and mental health are typically hidden or denied before it's too late. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we, we know there's a problem if you get in a car wreck or if you like fail a drug test. But talk to us about closet dis- uh, addiction. Like, is there is there like some early signs and signals and behaviors um, that you, maybe you were going through that people can kind of help identify before it's too late? Yeah. I mean, I was other than actually doing the the action (laughs) of taking drugs or drinking on site. I'm not talking about those types of things. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of call myself a closet addict because everybody knew that Garrett Davis drank. That was never a secret, but I hid, I hid cocaine from everybody besides the people that I would do it with. So there was a certain, there was certain people that I did coke around. And then there was a bunch of people that I did not do coke around and I would be doing it around them, but I would not let them know that I was doing it. Um, So I guess just, I, we talked about it when we were figuring this all out the other day you know, behavior changes is one thing you're going to really recognize if someone's going through some shit. If you hang around someone all the time and you know the type of person they are, and as soon as they start, not just like one day, everybody has a bad day, you know, Mm -hmm. like that, not just, oh, John has a bad day. He's got, oh, he's got issues. I mean, like, <laughs> he's I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he is don't accuse shooting. your coworkers if they're <laughs> off for a single day, you guys. Listen. You know, or like somebody, you just never, you never know. Like somebody could lose a family member and not know yeah. how to handle it. And some people mourn longer than others. And, you know, you so behavior changes like that is, if you talk to anybody in my family, including my sister, my brother, my brother-in-law, my father, my wife, anybody in my family, they all started noticing the way I was acting before, before I came clean with what I was mm-hmm. doing. Um, so that was like, you know, like I was, I was very ornery. I got really angry real fast. Um, like my dad was, I was building my dad's house and he was he would take me aside and be like what like what is wrong with you like why are you getting so angry with this like i would just blow shit out of proportion so i think like for closet addiction and this has to go on this isn't like we just said this isn't one day this yeah, is like yeah okay this is what garrett used to be like and now for three or four weeks he's been yeah. like this fucking weirdo like that's when you gotta maybe take someone aside and be like hey is it is it all right? And this is where we go back to what we talked about last week is like being that person someone can talk to because there's a lot of guys in construction that aren't, they're not warm and fuzzy and you don't want to go talk to them. Yeah. And you can be a bear, dude. You can be a bear, a mean person, but a lot of, most people have a heart and most people are going to listen. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers One thing that I've seen a lot is, is denial. 
Um, yeah. Not only denial, but um, like you were saying, short-tempered. They get pissed off easy. On mm-hmm. top of that, mood swings are huge depending on – I was going to bring that day. up. I've yeah. watched guys leave at 11.30 for lunch pissed off, and they show back up happy as a freaking clam. And <laughs> you know for a fact whatever they just did got them pumped. And that's, that's as simple as it is. It's a day-to-day thing, and they have to keep up on it or else they're going downhill. Yeah. So there, there's plenty of things you can look out for. A change in attitudes, one. Uh, mood swings, unless they're pregnant, chances are – there's something else going on there, but right. I, I, Mood swings is a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. 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 I, like, I, I can't go for it. My bad. Oh, I was just going to say, cause like, I think we had talked about guys doing meth, like Coke is huge. Like your mood swings with those types of drugs. Cause they're lifting you up. And as soon as you fucking come down, it is you like need more or you're pissed. That's that dude. Coke is a crazy fucking drug. It's like you, you do that. I remember when I was 18 and did my first line of Coke and I chased that fucking high until the day I got sober. It was never the same ever again. Every time I wanted that high that I got when I was 18 and I never, ever got it. So when I wasn't getting it, it was like, your yeah. brain's just, your brain's just searching for that fucking euphoria or whatever it is. And it can't find it anymore because it just never can get there again. I, I worked with a guy that he, he snorted meth and I didn't know it for the longest time. We were running a fairly decent sized commercial crew. Um, and this guy just out of the blue one day, we, we managed to catch him doing the shit. But up until that day, he accused people that I was very close with that I'd worked with for years of doing meth. And I was like, what the fuck is this dude's deal with meth? Like he, he cannot stop talking about it. And what, <laughs> oh he, what he was God. trying to do was make me think that somebody else was doing it when I know for a fact they weren't because he was the one that was actually doing it. It was a constant, like, get the attention off of me and onto somebody mm. else. You know, you want to know what he was also doing? He was also probably seeing if you like to do meth. So then he could be like, yo, I got some meth. I, <laughs> I got a buddy I, here. <laughs> I, used to, I used to do that shit. I would like talk about Coke around somebody and kind of feel them out. And I'd be like, Oh shit, they're they're fucking down. And then next thing you know, I got a new best friend. Can you believe it? That person over there snorted a line. Oh, you want some? Here we go. Yeah, yeah. What you got some Coke? Uh yeah, actually I do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Garrett, based on <laughs> so fucking true though. <laughs> based on some of the uh the leading causes of substance abuse and construction, were any of those ones the the leading indicators for like long work hours, stress, travel, physical pain, or anything? Were any of those um, you were trying to cope with during those times or was it completely in a different personal realm? So this is what I have. I don't know if I, is... I don't know if I asked you this in a lot. I don't think I asked no, you, you did in a lot. Okay. No, you didn't. It, this is, this is my thoughts on that. Um, so everybody has their, their shit. They, whether they like to drink, do drugs, do both, any of that. And as a recover, as a person in recovery, this is speaking for myself, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me. It didn't matter what day it was, if it was a good day, if it was a bad day, if it was a sad day, if nothing went right, if everything went, um, you know, everything went wrong, everything went right. It didn't matter, dude. I just stress, no stress, 
bad day, good day. It did not fucking matter. It was like, shit, I had a bad day. I'm going to get drunk. Shit, I had a fucking great day. I'm going to get drunk. Um, so stress and all that. Yeah, it definitely, oh my God, my day was so stressful. I'm going to get really messed up today. Like I would say things like that, but it didn't really have like, uh, it didn't matter what, what the case was. I was going to do it no matter what. So I would say that there's definitely guys like in doing commercial work that they're traveling and they're away from their family. They're living in hotels. Maybe they probably are, they probably have it a little worse, but it's like your thoughts it's your thought process and you're already planning that you're gonna get drunk anyways or do drugs so it doesn't matter what happens throughout your day it's just gonna happen anyways you did that makes way yeah if that makes any sense like dude before i got real bad like i would anybody i worked for they would say the same thing they would say garrett's brain is gone on thursdays so i'd be a great worker from monday to wednesday Thursday, I'd be okay. Friday, I was already planning what I was going to do all weekend. My brain focus was gone. I I would fuck shit up, and I, I just couldn't wait to party, dude. So that goes back to, like, talking about safety is, like, if your brain's not in the game, then you shouldn't be there working because we do dangerous shit. We're carrying, you know, saws and nail guns, and anything could go wrong at any given point, whether it's by – mistake or not paying attention but when your brain when your thought process is gone then that makes the work site so much more dangerous and yeah i i was dude i i was bad so even even on bad mental days if i'm not feeling right my head it's a recipe for disaster that's the only time accidents seem to happen for me is where my head's not in the game and that's not even saying that i was under the influence just Mentally, if my head's fucked up, I have a 10 times more chance of screwing something up. That's kind of just how the, how the game is. Um, I want to talk about you kind of, we, we talked about this in the last podcast. We want to talk about you overcoming addiction. Um, we didn't cover this, but we want to talk about where you're at now, the benefits and the success you've had with sobriety, because I, I know we've covered the deepest, darkest shit possible. Let's talk about the, the house you're building now. Uh, the relationship you have with your wife, how your life has pretty much did a complete fucking 180. Yeah, it's kind of wild, man. It's like when I, (laughs) so I drank and drugged for more than half my life, which is insane to say. And um, I could, I, I literally could never imagine my life without substances. Like I was, I, I thought people that were straight, were weird i'm like fucking straight edge guy over there not drinking yeah what a fucking weirdo and really he was just comfortable with himself and was was cool with not drinking because he probably had his shit together and i did (laughs) it so um i i i just couldn't imagine it so i go i go into this rehab and um i'm 30 years old i am a broken hopeless man dude i was so hopeless i i was spiritually hopeless i had nothing i was just bankrupt i had this black hole and i i wanted to die i remember sitting on my couch in my shop the last night i ever did a substance i was sitting there i got this big like six by six window in my shop looking out over my land and i'm sitting there 
with a pile of Coke, a bottle of Jack Daniels, and I'm so high, but yet I'm not as high as I want to be because my tolerance for Coke at this point is just beyond absurd. Yeah. I would do, I would do a gram in a line and be like, okay, like five minutes later. So I'm just like, what's next? Like I either need to find another drug or I just need to put a bullet in my fucking head and end it. And cause life sucks. Um, I'm glad I didn't go that route. Thank God. But some people you do do fall. that's, that's the fucking, that's the crazy shit. I've lost friends to this shit. I it's anyways. So I show up to, I show up dude. And they're like preaching AA and I'm pissed. Cause I'm like, first off, I don't have a fucking drinking problem. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a cokehead. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a cokehead. Why the fuck are you putting AA in my face? I was pissed because they slammed me with the big book and they had this binder and it was all about going to AA meetings and how we were going to meditate and do all this weird shit. And I was like, Oh my God, what have I got myself into? So I get there and dude, I've never, I never believed in a God. I always knew there was something, but I never believed in a God. I, I thought it was a bunch of bullshit, but I was so fucking broken, dude. I got there and all the kids were in a class. So they threw me into this room where I was going to be sleeping for the next 30 days. And I just got down on my knees, dude. And I said, God, I, I called my higher power God. I just got down on my knees and said, God, help me. And dude, ever since that day, my life has been this journey that I'm on. And I, I went, I woke up the next morning there and we went to meditation. We did meditation every morning, 10 minutes of silence, dude. The first day I'm like 10 minutes of silence, dude. My brain was <laughs> yeah, I bet. I'm like 10 minutes <laughs> of silence. Shit. Yeah. I'm like, this is fucked. Like, <laughs> I've been doing coke for the last two years, and now you want me to be silent for 10 minutes. Okay. Like, so, but now, dude, like, I still, to this day, I, I try to have my silence every morning. I wake up. I, I, I do my readings. I have a daily reflection for AA. I have, I have like, a, read a page out of the big book um, and try to just be alone in my thoughts for, like, five, 10 minutes. And that's huge for me. Um, I still do that. I'm not, I don't do it every morning, but I try to do it most mornings. You know, um, I, I think that's huge for everybody. Not even people that are just recovering yeah. and going through <laughs> some shit. I, I do the same thing. I do the same morning and think about everything that I've got going on and yeah. just sit there for a bit and then prep for the day. Like, I, I don't know. You can't just wake up and go, go, go from the start. You have to take yeah. time for yourself. Dude, yeah, I see. Garrett, like, like what Matt said, even the, I, I take 10 to 15 minutes every single morning to journal gratitude, just, just gratitude. slow down, real, realize what you're thankful for. This is not like for everybody listening. This is not something that just like only people going through recovery and right. like alcohol addiction or substance abuse should do. It's like for every single human being on this planet should do. Dude, it's so good for your, your mental state. It's so oh, yeah. good. It's so anyways, I, I got out of the, I got out of the rehab dude. And I just, I just had a whole new look at life. I soaked everything up like a sponge there. I, I didn't work for three months when I got out, I started going to a meetings. I would go to two meetings a day, sometimes three, sometimes one, but I just went to a meetings and I worked on my step work, which is the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, a lot of people, you know, 
maybe don't know what they are, but they're 12 steps. They're outlined in the big book. They, they bring you through your yourself. It's all about you because as an alcoholic and an addict, I'm like the victim. It's always somebody else's fault. Yeah. Oh, uh, I just fucking cut that board wrong. It's Johnny's fault because he told me the wrong measurement. But I gave you the right measurement. No, you didn't, dude. You didn't give me the right measurement. Your like fucking numbers suck, little Johnny. Right. That's the stuff <laughs> that I used to do. So it was never my fault. It was always somebody else's. So I got to step five, which is one of the most crucial steps in the whole entire 12 steps, I think. Maybe not the... For the, for the beginning, the most important now are, are 9 through 12, which I live every day in my life. But anyways, um, I wrote out a notebook full of resentments. So I was a very resentful person. Most every human being is a resentful person, by the way. Yes. Um, I was very resentful. I had resentments towards people from when I was like seven years old. I wrote out, I had 275 resentments towards people. That's, that's, two, that's 275 people. Mind. I couldn't Not, even name 275 people right now. So, so, so then I had to, at each person I had to take and say what resentments I had against them. So I would go down and I would have John and it would be A, B, C, D, E, F. And if you went through the alphabet, you started doubling it. So I, only, I didn't have anybody that doubled numbers, but I had a lot of resentments and that's people, places, and things. So it's people like, police departments. I had resentments oh, yeah. towards it. You know, people, places, and things. So I wrote out almost six notebooks full for my fifth step. Um, and then, I mean, I'm sorry, my fourth step. And then I, for the fifth step, you have to read it to somebody. And, but the whole point of this is as you're writing these out, you have to find out how you played a part in it. So you're resentful towards that mm. person. And, but, but, and it's all their fault, but how's it your fault? That's what you have to do. It's like, reversing it and putting it on yourself and it's hard man it was really hard but i found the reason as you start doing them more and more you're like wow this is the fucking type of person i am um mm -hmm. and it really shows you yourself and um i so, opened yeah. hell oh dude so eye-opening it's crazy um and now it's just like nine through twelve every day i i i try to be a better person i try to help somebody um you know i try to be there for somebody um I try not to be resentful anymore. I try to get rid of it at the end of the day instead of dwelling on it like, oh, that guy and going to sleep pissed off. I, I lie awake in bed at night and I'm kind of like, what, what, what am I resentful today? Am I resentful towards anything? And if I am, I, I either go, okay, I need to apologize to that person or I just need to let this go if it's not to do with anybody. Sometimes I can just be resentful over something I did myself. For sure. Um, so that's, it's like little things, dude. It's like changing the way Garrett Davis used to think. And it's led me to a much better life. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a better person for sure. I mean, I, a lot of these people that come, come to me on Instagram talking to me, you know, three and a half years ago, Garrett would have not cared at all. And now that shit like warms my heart, dude. When someone's telling me that I'm an inspiration and I'm helping them on their journey and they're now they're not going to, they're going to know how to get through tough times now because they've heard my story. That's oh, like, what me tearing up over here, man. Yeah, that's like what it's all about, dude. It's all about sharing your experience, strength and hope when you're in recovery. If you're just holding it in and you're not giving it away, you're not going to keep it. You're going to let your fucking ego get to you and you're going to lose it all. 
you so you talked about gratitude breck which is awesome mm -hmm. because every day i write down whether it's mentally i used to write it down in a journal like you just said but now every day mentally i'm like 10 things i'm grateful for boom 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 and they're all yeah. fucking things that i would lose in a heartbeat if i was not sober dude yeah wow like a heartbeat like they would be gone just like Wait. that so like I, there's a saying in AA, you can't keep it if you don't give it away. I said this the last time, but it's so true. Like, dude, that would be like me getting all these messages from these people and being like, damn, I'm a badass. And then Good not responding. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like going through and responding to every single fucking one of them because it's cool, dude. Like I'm seeing all these people that have 10 months, three months, five years, 16 years. And they're all just like, dude, it's it's it, that's how it goes around that's how aa works and whether people go to meetings or not it's it's all a part there's recovery and there's being sober if you can you can be sober and you can be just as miserable as you fucking were when you were drinking and doing drugs but when you're yeah. recovering life gets better when you actually are recovering dude i i think that's pretty cool because like i mean obviously we're we're talking on the subject of substance abuse and everything and while we can I mean, obviously it's a dark topic, but dude, it has pulled so many people out of the woodwork and I, 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 I don't even know if I could relate to it, Garrett, but like when you're opening your messages and you're seeing all of these people overcoming it, like that is just a pure moment of bliss. Yeah, and I man. think that's just really cool to, you know, recognize, yeah, bring some awareness to substance abuse, but then, you know, look at all these people they're sending messages that one, maybe have been empowered by the last podcast episode, but also two, that there's a ton of people out there that have overcome this type of battle, which is right. even more amazing. Um, I, I got a quick question. You, you talked about step five, I believe you said was the most critical step. And then you keep talking about nine through 12. Um, I'm not going to Google it right now because we have you on the podcast, but uh, talk to us a little bit about well, what step five is. And then what's the nine through 12 that you do? You said daily, I think. Well, so, so the step 10, 11 is prayer and meditation and 12 is pretty much being there for others. Um, 10 is what I told you about the whole resentments thing. Dude, I'm not like an AA god, so this is not word for word. I do, no I do the program. That's all that matters. <laughs> but, but I'm this being honest. This is as real as it gets, man. It's yeah, as real as I, it gets right here. There, dude, there's people out there that would be able to do the steps. Sure, right sure. Me, and I, I totally am not that guy. But I have done them. Um, so, like, 10 is just, like, not being – for me, 10 is, like, not being a resentful person. Like, doing my daily inventory at the end of the day. So, in rehab – they had a step 10 worksheet every night while we were doing our, they would come around and check our blood pressure and make sure all of us weren't going to die because we don't have drugs anymore. Um, mm. <laughs> we, they would, they would give us, they would give us a step 10 inventory and we would have to write, it was like, um, you know, like, was it, was, were you resentful towards anyone today? And I remember the first night I got it, I was like, nope, nope 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 yes no yes and it was like all like me trying to like prove like hey look at me like uh, and then as the month went on as i was living with these people for day day in and day out i'm like it's like were you resentful for today and i'm like yeah that mother Fucker took two bananas i started like i started oh getting i started getting honest with myself though dude like 
I didn't have to, I didn't have to fake it for anybody anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I didn't have to be like, oh, if I put I'm resentful towards it, that person's going to think I'm weird. It's like, no, that pissed me off. Dude, this guy used to hoard eggs. They always had hard boiled eggs. He would hoard them. And I would, and it pissed me off, man. I'm like, everybody's here to eat, dude. Like, you don't got to take five. Like, there's a whole bucket of them. I'm sure it's going to be out. They're going to be more after you eat two. Like, but anyways, that's just uh, going, up, <laughs> going off topic. Bananas. <laughs> so so 10 so 10 through 12 is just like that's my daily reprieve right there that's like what keeps me going like i gotta i gotta keep in i gotta meditate i gotta keep praying like or else i'm not gonna see those god dude i call them god slaps actually i, I get slapped by god and they happen so much but it's because i'm paying attention when you get your when you get your ego involved and you stop paying attention all that stuff goes away and then you're like oh poor me you get back on the pity potty and you start to isolate and you stop going to meetings and then it's everybody else's fault again. And then the next thing you know, you're fucking drinking again. So I have to keep that for me. Some people are crazy, dude. Some people don't need any of this stuff. They're like, I don't want to drink anymore. I have a problem, but I'm not going to do it anymore. And they go and live happy lives. That's not me, dude. I would mm -hmm. not have the life I have today if AA had not showed me the way, um, if my rehab had not shown me the way. I, I wouldn't have I, I wouldn't have my wife because I'd be I'd be sober but I'd be an asshole and I'm not perfect dude I'm not I I'm Nobody not coming on that. no I'm not coming on here and saying hey I'm fucking perfect I'm in recovery and every day is serene and I never get mad because dude I work in construction I own a fucking business it gets stressful stuff doesn't go my way I still get pissed but it's all about how I handle it and handle myself nowadays. And that's like been the gift is that I can handle it. And, um, you know, and I have all these gifts that have come from it, dude. I, I have an amazing relationship with my wife. I have a, such a cool relationship with my mom and my dad, a relationship I never had before. You know, my dad's in recovery. My mom's in recovery. Um, I'm not lying anymore. I don't, I don't lie. I just tell it how it is. I don't have to prove, I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I am who I am. Um, and then the gifts just keep coming. Success keeps coming. You know, word of mouth in my business. I have referral customers. I, I hardly get anybody calling me that doesn't say so-and-so referred me to you. They said, you're fucking awesome. Um, you do a great job. Like, and at that point, they don't even care about the price. They've heard it. They've seen it. They want it. Um, success in my business has all come from sobriety because I burnt my business to the ground in like practically two years when I was drinking and drugging because I just didn't care. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I'm building my own personal home and it's a, any carpenter's dream. I know it is, you can say no, yes, but it, it is. is. And I, I'm building my own house and it's the most fucking surreal thing ever, dude. Like I'm just there today. Like every day I go there, I visualize what it's going to look like in the end. And that's all, dude, I, three years ago, if I was sitting here and telling you that all this stuff that's happened to me was going to happen, I would have told you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> there's, there, there's promises in the, in the big book and anybody who's done AA knows what the promises are. The first time I ever heard them, I was like, yeah, no, that's, that's a bunch of bullshit. That's never going to happen to me. And every single one of them has come true. And there's a lot of them. Um, every single one of them has come true and I, I just live in a blessed life, man. And, and it's all just one day at a time.
And I think that's something a lot of people can take away from it is just how quick you've turned your life around and how you're doing stuff that you never would have thought was, was possible prior. Never. All, be, all because you, you managed to, to beat what you were battling. Garrett, what would your advice be to a business owner? Because I feel like a lot of people struggle as employees, but what would your advice be to a business owner, a coworker, or anyone going through a substance abuse or mental health issue? Um, what, what can they do? You need to ask, you need to ask for help anywhere. You know, if you ever thinking that you have a problem, there is AA meetings, you know, some States are still open to them. I think, I don't know, maybe you got to wear a mask, but there are AA meetings everywhere in the world, all over the place, dude. You can go online to the Alcoholics Anonymous website and find an AA meeting. You could be in East Bumfuck, Missouri, and and look up and look up <laughs> and look up AA meetings in in this town, and you're and you're gonna find them, dude. There's always a place to get help, and if not, dude, just like reach out reach out to somebody, maybe a close friend. And I just gotta, you just got to let people know that you're looking for help. If you just hold it inside and never talk to anybody about it, no one's ever going to know. And, and it yeah. might be, and it might be too late at that point. Question for you. Can you go to an AA meeting somewhere else? Like, do you, do you have like one specific place where you go to, or can you go anywhere and everywhere? Oh yeah, no, you can go everywhere. Like I could come out to yeah. California to hang out with you, Matt. And I could be like, I'm going to go to a, I'm going to go to an AA meeting. See you later. And I could just walk in. So you see new faces. It's not always just the same group. Correct. I actually, it's, it was, it was really cool. Cause when I was in rehab, we kind of, it was in New Hampshire, but we went to Massachusetts meetings and stuff, but yeah, dude, I go to meetings all over the place. That's awesome. Insane. And, and on the AA website, it's not going to just have AA meetings. It's going to have hotlines and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. You, need, you can find anything you need on there that has to do with getting sober and recovery. And that's at www.aa.org. I'm not supposed to promote it. That's like a whole part of AA, but it's like. Oh, don't worry, buddy. I got you. I'll promote it. <laughs> yeah, you won't. We will. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's a ton of information on here. If any of you guys, um, either you're struggling or someone you know is struggling, aa.org, you can find just about anything you need. All right, guys, we're wrapping up. Uh, we did, we typically do the fast five at end of every episode, but we covered it in episode seven. If you haven't had the chance, go back and listen to that so you can get the full story on Garrett. Garrett, thanks so much for joining us on the Bread to Build podcast for wrapping it up on the uh, part two. Um, let's just do a, a plug again in this episode. If people want to connect with you, share their story, or just get some more information, where can people find you? Uh, my handle on Instagram is the life of bub and I'm on hammer as the life of bub also. Nice. All right, guys, this was part two on mental health and substance abuse. Again, if you haven't listened to episode seven, go back and give it a listen. If you're experiencing some difficult situations in life, reach out to any of us. We've all been through shit. With that being said, thank you for everyone to everyone for listening to the realest construction podcast in the game. That was a listener's comment, not mine. If you like this episode, (laughs) you like what we're doing, drop an awesome review. Share it with a friend. Give us a shout out on social media. Do something with it. Tell your mom about it. Tell your mom about it, fuck. If you'd like to connect with me. (laughs) If you'd like to connect with me. (laughs) Business professionals, my ass. Keep it going. Roll with it. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Brett Going on the Hammer app and pretty much any other social media platform. Hammer, Builders, Vincent. 
You can find me on Instagram and Hammer at Matt Bangs Wood and nearly every social outlet along with supportthe.youth.inc. We'll see you guys next time on the Bread to Build podcast. No, no.